Hello and welcome back to the Politics Unboxed podcast. My name is Reese, and today we're going to be talking about, well, something that the BBC have reported as rail services coming back under unified state control, but what is actually a little bit more nuanced than that. On the face of it, you could argue that that is what it is going to be, but there are uh, many layers to this approach and there are uh, many different policies that are part of this uh, broader move, which is, um, well, on the face of it, if you if you look at the, the headlines, doesn't seem too far away from what was being promised by the last Labour Party manifesto. Um, strange how things come full circle. Anyway, uh, I also wanted to apologise for yesterday. I had a little issue with the file. It became corrupted and I tried to work a little bit on it to try and get it back, but it didn't. Uh, make it. So no podcast yesterday, but we're back on track for today. Anyway, that is what we're going to be talking about today on this episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. So yes, uh, just yesterday the government announced that there is going to be a change around in how the UK's railways are going to be running. It is in fact the biggest reform to the rail system since privatisation, which happened under John Major's government in the mid-1990s. A lot of people lay the blame for privatising the railways at Margaret Thatcher, and whilst you could say um, it is a Thatcherite policy, it was not actually Margaret Thatcher. That sort of says something, that uh, something Margaret Thatcher didn't dare touch uh, um, was was privatised later. But anyway... It's time to have a look at what this plan actually entails. And firstly, the big headline thing is that, well, the state government on, uh, well, as Great British Railways, a state-owned body, will own and manage all rail infrastructure from 2023, when Great British Rail, or GBR, will, um, well, will come into existence. It will replace the existing infrastructure operator, which is Network Rail, uh, and will be bringing that part back in-house, as it were, for the government. Um, GBR will also have new powers. They will collect all fare revenue, run the network, and set most fares and timetables from 2023. Now, why isn't this a full renationalisation? Well, firstly, because it's the Conservative Party. Uh, renationalisation or nationalisation at all is not something that that party uh, and that particular economic ideology um, sit very well alongside. However, uh, this is the largest step back towards nationalisation or renationalisation of the railways since uh, 1990 when it was moved to a private system. Uh, but there is still going to be plenty of room for the private sector in this model. Private operators are going to be contracted to run most trains. So how much of a, of a, a change is this? Well, it is still quite a big change. Now, this is based on uh, a white paper, or rather the plan is part of a white paper, and it is based on the recommendations of a review into the rail industry, which was carried out by the former chief exec of British Airways, Keith Williams, and that review was um, organised based on the back of the timetabling issues, uh, and I say issues in uh, a very much understated way. The timetabling issues that followed the introduction 
of these new timetables back in May of 2018. We saw um, plenty of rail service. I think Northern Rail was the, the worst affected up around the Manchester area. Uh, and really that, that introduction of these new, these new timelines, uh, sorry, timetables, were chaotic. It is fair to say that there was one heck of a lot of disruption caused by these new timetables. Now, something I want to say straight off the bat is that this plan was initially meant to be published in autumn of 2019. So this plan is a year and a half old, give or take. Now, it was delayed by the general election, which was in December of that year, 2019, and the subsequent coronavirus pandemic. But this is a plan that could have been actioned earlier. And I wonder whether the decision to withhold publication of the plan from uh, August, or sorry, autumn of 2019 was because it might have sounded a little bit too much like what Jeremy Corbyn was announcing and it might have given political ammunition. Of course, uh, the government were within their rights to set the timetable for the release of this review. It's not a legally binding thing that it has to be released immediately after it is uh, finished. However, it's just interesting that they're saying this plan was meant to be published in the autumn of 2019 and now we're, what, a year and a half on? Um, obviously, the, the coronavirus pandemic is an acceptable delay. Um, you un- we understand that there has been a lot of energy imposed, or rather used up, on the management, whether you think it's been successful or not, of the coronavirus by the UK government. Uh, but if it was meant to be published in autumn of 2019, well, Brexit was uh, a big issue, but this could have been a, a nice a nice distraction from it. I know everyone was a little bit sick of, um, well, of Brexit at that time. So, what's been the cause of this this move? So, since since the privatisation of British Rail, some, what, 25 years ago, thinking back to the mid-1990s, we've seen a stream of comings and goings from many rail operators on many, many different lines. Um... Every time a contract runs out, there's a new bidding war as to who gets what. And various different governments of various different hues have sort of fiddled around the edges of that system, which was introduced back in the mid-90s. Most train operators have had a fair amount of freedom to set fares, uh, when to buy and lease new uh, rolling stock or trains, and what they do with their own timetables. But since the collapse of Railtrack in 2001, there has been potentially a sustained move towards more central control of things. Um, at that point, uh, just after that, Alistair Darling, who was then the Transport Secretary, was considering a plan to unite Network Rail and the Strategic Rail Authority into National Rail as a, as a new... Um, method of bringing together the management of the track and of the trains, which was really really central to the original privatisation model, the idea that the management of the track and the trains should be separated. But this move reverses that original pillar of privatisation. Great British Railways will have its say over what happens with what used to be, or what is soon to be able to be called formerly Network Rail, who own track and major stations, and will then be 
sort of in control of the the rolling rolling stock and will award concessions as they call them to private companies who operate services now, if this plan works and is followed through and properly implemented and we wait to see fully with the legislation on this then we will be able to to draw to a close this messy period of rail privatization where you see operators blaming the the rolling stock managers you say oh, rolling stock managers blaming the the rail managers you see all sorts of different people blaming network rail you see uh, other people pointing fingers at the government for for leaving the rail system in the first place um, and there should be one single body that's able to manage and look at all of these concerns with a, an overview that just hasn't been possible before now this this concentration of power is potentially going to be a very good thing. We've seen skyrocketing rail prices, even with various different caps being placed on the price of tickets. Um, but there is a problem, potentially, because the the only real success of privatisation was, uh, at least in my opinion, uh, the the revival in passenger numbers, which you can say is partially down to the freedom given to rail companies for the ability to to do new things and innovate as they have control over that franchise for the set period of time. If that is lost through middle management of civil servants and politicians, micromanaging and interfering, then you could risk... um, railways sort of slipping back to positions they were in before uh, the privatisation move, where there were dwindling passenger numbers um, and a a feel of of stagnation around it, or at least that's what uh, newspapers and reports of the time seemed to suggest. I, of course, wasn't alive then, so I I don't have first-hand testimony of it. And there is a fear that with the Treasury having spent through the nose to support services during the pandemic, they will be on the lookout for ways to cut spending or to withhold spending, um, which could mean cuts in services and uh, cuts in, in quality and quantity if this is back under state control. But that is that is just one of of the possible um, Achilles heels of, of this plan. Because there are, of course, benefits to it, as I said, um, We've seen skyrocketing rail prices, spotty connections, uh, and general messing around from the privately owned train companies in this sector. Uh, And it will be, for many travellers, a welcome relief to know that there is now going to be a single authority looking over um, a fragmented, confused and overcomplicated system, as Grant Shapps called the, uh, the railway system in the Commons yesterday. This comes. This plan comes just eight months after the government scrapped rail franchising plans. They've been in place since privatisation, and well, the um, the sense is that as this franchise system is now gone, and things are being brought back into uh, into more public ownership. There is going to be a move towards full renationalisation of the railway, certainly by the Labour Party. I think it's the natural next step for them to call for, uh, and potentially from some within the, the Conservative Party if they, they see 
benefits and changes caused by this move. Now, the, the government's plan has been welcomed by the rail regulator, who are the ORR, the Office of Rail and Road, and their chief exec, John Larkinson, said the OOR will, and I quote, continue to work closely with government and industry to facilitate reform and reshape rail for the future. Uh, Andy Bagnall, who's the Director General of the Rail Delivery Group, uh, they represent train operators, said the proposals could deliver, quote, the biggest changes for a generation. Uh, train operators called for a guiding mind and GBR, Great British Railways, will help to bring the whole industry together. And that is the real sense that we're getting from this GBI. It's not full renationalisation, but it is a great step towards homogenisation of the industry, bringing together this very splintered system uh, so that passengers know um, who to point the finger at if train services are cancelled, if the timetables are messed up, if the quality is poor, and it is now fully the operators uh, and the British Rail when it comes into effect in 2023 to look out for the passengers because they are the the people who use the services, they're the people who need the services uh, and they have often seemed like a secondary consideration for many franchises operating rail networks. Now some reforms from this plan will come into force before 2023 because that is a couple of years off, although as I said earlier if it had been introduced when it said it was going to be introduced in autumn of 2019 then that would be what if we go 2021 to mid 2023 mid-2019 to, what, 2022, 2021, depending on the exact months of the plan. It could have been done earlier, is what I'm saying. However, uh, there are some reforms that are going to be coming into effect before then. Um, There are going to be flexible season tickets, which are meant to offer savings on, on routes for people who don't travel to work every day, and they're going to go on sale from the 21st of June, and... They will be able to be used from the 28th of June. Um, These types of tickets, they will allow passengers to travel on any eight days in a 28-day period. So if people are only going into work, what, two or three times a week, um, that would be enough for, for two return journeys every four... Uh, sorry, every week. So that is uh, a step towards... Uh, these these flexible season tickets they're they're a step to bringing down these these prices um, and as GBR will eventually be collecting fair revenue, running the network and setting the fares, um, it would be surprising to me if we see rail fares go up. Although of course that is a possibility if the treasury is looking to reclaim uh, money spent during the pandemic. That would be an interesting development if it were to happen, and I do not think it would be very popular. But this plan is an ambitious plan. Some would say not ambitious enough, given uh, the state of the privately run edu- uh, not education system, uh, the privately run rail system. However, it is a step in what many people in the industry are calling the right direction towards greater centralisation, greater homogeneity, and uh, greater clarity on who is in charge, what are they in charge over, and bringing the system into a a more unified and less splintered way of operating. Anyway, 
that is all the time we have for today on the Politics Unboxed podcast. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please feel free to give us a rating wherever you find us on your podcast apps. Uh, and any feedback is more than appreciated. The Instagram is at politics.unboxed. The Twitter is at politicsu, the letter U. And the Facebook is Politics Unboxed. You can get in touch via email, which is politicsunboxedpodcast.outlook.com. And the website remains politicsunboxedpodcast.wordpress.com. Thank you very much for listening. I hope to see you all around again soon for the next episode of the Politics Unboxed podcast. And until then, goodbye. Mm-hmm.